The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we are going to preview the AEW Full Gear pay-per-view, which will be coming to you live from Jacksonville, Florida. Florida? The... That's what yeah, I get. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, I get yeah. for trying. That's what I get for trying. Coming to you live from Jacksonville, Florida on November 7th, 2020. Uh, I believe starting at 7 p.m. with the buy-in. So uh, before we get into talking about that, Mike, how are you? I feel like you could just drop the live from wherever because it's been in Jacksonville for seven, eight months. <laughs> like, I think you're good. I know you're a professional, though, so I'll, I'll let you handle it the way you want to handle it. Look, I get like four or five opportunities a year to uh, talk about an AEW pay-per-view. Um, I don't need your guff, sir. Well, sorry. Well, uh, you know, Joel, there's been some stuff going on this week. I don't know if you follow the news or anything, but uh, the election's been going on. It's been a weird couple of days and, you know, haven't been sleeping much, but kind of running high off of... Uh, some adrenaline and cherry icy right now. So I'm ready to talk about this pay-per-view, but things personally, things are good. Uh, been lifting again. So I've been feeling pretty sore, but it's the good sore the, the I accomplished something sore. So that's been good. And uh, I think I've talked to, to death about dead by daylight. I've been playing a lot of that too. And um, yeah, I'm mainly now just looking forward to my PS five getting delivered next week. I got a couple games pre-ordered that I'm ready to dive into and ready for that next gen life. You're going to go spend some quality time with uh, Keanu cyberpunk. Well, I wanted to, but that, that, that got delayed until I think early December now. Oh, that's right. So. It's, it's a CD project red game, isn't it? Yeah. They always yeah. Get so the games I have pre-ordered, I have Spider-Man miles Morales. And when I send you my PS4, Joel, I'll send you Spider-Man because Spider-Man is the favorite game I've played in the last two years. Oh, it's wow. so, so much fun with that Spider-Man game. So Miles Morales should be freaking fun. I ordered NBA 2K because I got to get Giannis on the Mavs, <laughs> uh, which I know I'm always a star chasing slut, Joel, but I feel like my team can actually do it in 2021. So I'm, you're going to be hearing me and a lot of Giannis potential moves to Dallas. So, Get ready oh, for God. it. Yeah. And then then I then I pre-ordered Godfall, which is this RPG uh, online game that looks pretty sweet, looks really good graphics-wise, and looks right up my alley in terms of gameplay. So I'm excited. Next gen, let's go. Very cool. I've been How about uh, you did? I've been wrapping up Star Trek Next Generation. We're in season seven. Nice. And uh I I'm the second part of a two-part episode. Who should step out of a shuttle and onto the Enterprise as a guest star, but three-time NBA champion, one-time NBA MVP, and one-time University of North Carolina Tar Heel national champion, James Worthy. Big game, James. James. (laughs) I guess I didn't know the NBA well when I last watched through The Next Generation, but did not know he... 
does he play an alien? Well, yeah, I mean, he's a Klingon, so... Oh, okay. It, it, Makes but it's, he's enormous, you know? Michael Dorn, who plays <laughs> Worf, is, uh-huh. like, between 6'2 and 6'4, depending on, you know, what source on the internet you choose to believe. And James Worthy just towers over him and everyone else. So he's actually, like, super imposing, because he's just this giant Klingon, and he had to crouch to get out of the shuttle door because that's how tall of a human being James Worthy is. And uh, I looked up his IMDb and he he did like very, very little acting. So I'm guessing he must've just been like a huge fan of Star Trek and was like, I would like to be on this show. <laughs> but <laughs> it was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, he played James with Magic Worthy Johnson. James Worthy being a So <laughs> he's from Gastonia, North Carolina. So is he really? Yeah. Well, have you been, have you seen the episode yet where, oh wait, that might have been Voyager. Maybe it was a next gen. Yeah. The Rock guest star is on Voyager as a, as an alien. So I will look Uh, forward to that. Uh, We are going to watch Voyager at some point, but we got to watch Deep Space Nine first. So I never, I never liked Deep Space Nine. I was never, I, I, I I watched next gen with my dad and then I watched Voyager with my dad. Never got into Deep Space Nine. You know me, I'm a stubborn completionist. So we're going to watch all the uh, Picard films. I think that's going to be our next <laughs> move. And uh, and then we're going to dive into uh, Deep Space Nine. I might even try to like chart out the release order. So like, should we watch season one of Deep Space Nine and then watch this Picard movie? And, you know, but we'll figure it out. The important thing is I've got my content for the next uh foreseeable future locked down going to be spending some more time in the star trek universe oh man star trek insurrection and nemesis are they're doozies man (laughs) i've seen insurrection before i love insurrection um but i have not seen nemesis so i'll look forward to that and uh someone Uh, else you won't you won't look forward to that (laughs) someone else someone else who's a huge star trek fan is cody and uh, I think we should transition into talking about some all elite wrestling. So the dynamite that was the dynamite began with a segment between Maxwell, Jacob Friedman and Chris Jericho ahead of MJF and Wardlow's tag team match with Ortiz and Sammy Guevara. And MJF and Wardlow got the win handily in that match thanks to Matt Hardy attacking Sammy with a chair during the match while the referee was not looking. After the match, we got an interview segment between Kenny Omega and Tony Schiavone uh, promoting Kenny's upcoming match with Hangman Adam Page. After this was a match between Miro and Trent, Miro making his singles debut and getting the win very handily in that match, which was very entertaining. We got the second of our interviews with the Eliminator Tournament finalists as JR sat down with Hangman Adam Page to get his thoughts going into full gear. Next up was Team Taz, who cut a scintillating promo in the ring talking about Brian Cage and Darby, or sorry, not Darby, Ricky Starks, and their <laughs> records as singles competitors and how it's garbage that they do not have matches on the card at full gear. So don't be surprised if something gets added late. After this, Sammy attacked Matt Hardy prior to Private Party's match with the Young Bucks, getting revenge 
for earlier that evening and furthering their match coming up for full gear. Private Party took the L, the Young Bucks got the victory and momentum heading into full gear. After the match, they were attacked by FTR and rescued by Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page, who then had a tense moment in the ring after making that save. Eddie Kingston and Moxley had their advertised face-to-face in the middle of the ring to promote their I Quit match at Full Gear, and we got an update on Pack, a package, if you will, and found out that he's been spending the last seven months in total isolation and might be going a little bit crazy. Next up was a ambush on QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes, perpetrated by the dastardly Butcher and Blade. Nyla Rose returned to in-ring action and defeated Red Velvet. After the match, there was a post-match kerfuffle involving Vicky Guerrero and Hikaru Shida. Next up, a video package promoting Adam Page and Kenny Omega's match in the finals of the AEW Championship Eliminator Tournament, which was followed by a Darby Allen vignette to promote his match with Cody. And then the main event, Colt Cabana, John Silver, and Preston Vance of the Dark Order faced off with Cody and the Gun Club, with Austin Gunn getting the surprise pinfall victory for his team, after which Cody closed the show with an excellent promo on Darby Allen. And that was the episode of Dynamite. So we wanted to do something a little bit different uh, for for this episode. Wanted to uh, tell you all what our impressions were and how we're feeling going into full gear as a whole. And also shout out our favorite moment from this episode of Dynamite. Since we won't be doing a lightning round, we won't be doing a stock up, stock down. We want to get right into the preview. But before we do, Mike, how are you feeling going into full gear? And what was your favorite moment or match from this episode of Dynamite? I am feeling pretty, pretty good, dude. Um, I think the major feuds, major matches of full gear were really given time tonight to help further the stories, further the, the stakes. Um, and, and that's what I always look for when I'm, when I'm, getting ready for a pay-per-view the marquee upper card matches. How do we feel going into the pay-per-view? And I feel Moxley and Kingston had that amazing promo off where Eddie Kingston gave Moxley some butterfly kisses, um, which was totally adorable. Uh, I feel really good about the build tonight of Hangman and Kenny Omega. I liked their two separate sit downs. I liked the save of, the young bucks by both of them. And once again, Omega coming out just a little later, kind of call back to their whole thing earlier this year. Um, and you know, for the, the, uh, the few matches that had a little less time to build, even Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen, that promo was awesome at the end of the show. And while I've been critical of the Hikaru Shida, Nyla Rose championship match, seemingly out of nowhere, I feel good about their little pull apart, you know, fist flying today post-match. And uh, yeah, I would say overall pretty good. And I, I am quite excited for full gear this Saturday. It it should be really, really, should be really fun. 
So what was your favorite moment from this episode of Dynamite? Shout out oh, one man. thing. One one thing? All right. Uh, I want to talk about Miro. And I loved, I loved that match with Trent. And this was his debut singles match. And I loved them. I did not know that Miro was his uh, young boy, young guy, young boy. Is that what it's called in Japan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I did not know that um, that they had that history, and that was really interesting to me. And this match went way longer than I thought. It was more intense than I thought it would be because so I thought this would be a match that gets us to the tag team match between the two groups. Um, I just I wanted to see how Miro would work with an indie guy one on one if he could keep up, if the pace would feel good, and I thought it was fantastic. And I really thought Miro looked incredibly impressive. And of course, Trent's going to work his ass off. He can make everyone look good. He's one of the best workers they have. But yeah, that whole that whole Miro Trent match, I uh, I really really enjoyed, and it definitely looks like it's going to continue with the post match shenanigans. And I liked Orange Cassidy diving on them. So yeah, overall, that might have been my that might have been it for me. Very cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that match as well, and I I liked that they gave it a little bit of pizzazz with talking about their history a little bit. Um, and, and I think we're just the, the one thing that I don't love about Miro in AEW is that he's still using the modified camel clutch as his finisher. Uh, I've just never particularly cared for it. So, you know, that is what it is. Small beef. I just think a guy that big and powerful should be doing something, some kind of throw or slam that, shows off that power, that strength, and can finish a match in a more dramatic fashion. Submission finishes are, are never very dramatic for me. So uh, that's a bummer, but I thought it was a great match. Yeah, I, I, I think if, I think some submission moves can, but it, the ability to move around and kind of escape it, there's not much you can do once he locks in the game over. Like you're kind of stuck. So I definitely get that. And I would like to see him add some sort of a power move to his repertoire. And hopefully we'll see that here soon. So Joel, how, how, what's your mood going into one of the four pay-per-views on the the calendar this year? So what I was struck by watching the show last night is how correct all of these matches feel. Like they feel like they're the matches we should be having Adam page and Kenny Omega. This is a story that's been going on since really before they won the titles back in February, uh, Cody and Darby is a story that goes back to the beginning of AEW. FTR and the Young Bucks is a story that predates AEW. Moxley and Eddie Kingston has been a fun story that's developed over this summer that's built into something way bigger than I think anyone thought it was going to be. We're getting Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara which is a match we were really looking forward to for All Out that obviously did not pan out the way we wanted. Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose at Revolution was an excellent match. And so getting that return match here with Nyla Rose under new management, you know, it just feels right. Chris Jericho and MJF, we've been talking about the two of them facing off since the beginning. So these top seven matches on the card just feel right. So... I'm um, I'm excited about this show, and I think it's 
regardless of, of how we feel about how we got here, I think we got to the right place. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's a very solid card from top to bottom. I, I, I think it has a high ceiling and even, sorry, high floor and an even higher mm-hmm. ceiling in terms of what the show could be. Because if those top four matches give us what we think they can give us, holy shit, <laughs> like that's that's an elite card right there. So, um, and you know, the work rate's gonna be great too. So, and, and the stories make sense. Um, I think obviously we could have seen some better builds for some of the maybe lower card matches or even Sheeta Rose. But um, overall, I feel really good about what we're gonna get come sun- Saturday night. And then we'll we're head here on the road to God, Road to Revolution. 2020's been weird. Indeed, indeed. My favorite moment uh, was actually the Adam Page interview segment with JR. I thought it was spectacular. Uh, He did such a good job of seeming like nervous, but feeling like he shouldn't be nervous or he shouldn't show that he's nervous, but also he's a little bit tipsy. And so... JR got him to admit that he was nervous and then he tried to play it off. And, you know, this, this character that he's portraying that's like has an alcohol problem is really compelling. And it, it makes him feel like relatable because he has a struggle that is not like a pro wrestler struggle. It's like a human struggle. And I really like that aspect of his character. I also think that they're not portraying it in an out and out comical way. So it doesn't feel like they're making light of having an alcohol problem. Uh, And I just, this is the match that I'm most excited about for the pay-per-view. So this interview segment got me really hyped. Yeah, I I agree. He's one of the best actors I think they have. And, uh, in AEW right now. And, and I don't feel like we know, would have said that a year ago. No, no. I think the biggest criticism we had of him is that we was everything outside of the squared circle. Um, and to see him become this in a year, I think is remarkable. So shall we get into and, the preview? One last thing about him having a, a real problem, not just a wrestling problem. Yo, he, he, I definitely relate, and I think the country right now can relate to the drinking. <laughs> this is just funny to me. Have you heard of Drizzly? Yeah, yes. Paul Delivery Company. Yes, they advertise um, on like twelve podcasts that I listen to. Yep. Uh, in in blue states, it saw a seventy five percent increase of alcohol sales on election night, and fifty five percent increases in red states on election night. So, so everybody's self medicating. Con- everyone everyone's doing it i have a thing of tequila in in the freezer that i was sipping on the other night so adam i get it dude i get it so yes let's let's get into our our full gear preview predictions joel you gonna keep tracking them for us this time yes i i pre-wrote it down so i have the whole card and uh, i'm ready to go so it shouldn't be uh shouldn't be as as awkward as last time uh, so we'll start with the the buy-in, and we got a surprise match announcement, one that I'm actually very excited about. 
which is the NWA Women's Championship will be, be defended. Serena Deeb is matching up with Allison Kay. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Allison Kay, but she is a former NWA Women's Champion and has also wrestled in Women of Honor. She's wrestled in Impact. Uh, I think she might have been in one of the um, Mae Young classics. I can never remember who all I saw she, in those. She was in that 2018 uh, classic. Yeah, So, but she's very good. And uh, I think it's it's cool that we're continuing to host these NWA matches in AEW. So, yeah, I I don't know I know of her I because I, I you know I dabble in Impact every now and then so I know who she is don't know much about what she's been up to recently. Uh, I'm picking Serena Deeb because I just don't think there's any reason for them to take this off of her right now. Um, but if, if, if they're doing what they've been doing with Serena Deep recently, just giving her more opportunities to show off, it's one way to build up another, uh, legitimate contender in the division and using the NWA championship is, I think a good way to do that. So makes sense for it to be on the pre-show. I have no problem with it being on the pre-show and, uh, yeah, if, if we get a fun match out of it, cool. Great way to start the night. Yeah, I also have Serena Deeb winning this one. I think that it's kind of been a a year of revitalizing her career in the spotlight. And I don't think it makes any sense to stop that now when she's putting on such great matches and bringing legitimacy to that belt. Although I will say they need a new belt. That thing is tiny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could say the same thing about the AEW Women's Championship belt. That it's so I damn do small. say the same thing about the AEW yeah. Women's Championship yeah. belt. Uh, anyway, uh, next up is kind of an odd match. I don't know if this yeah. is a, a a being the elite storyline that's that's getting a match, but we have Orange Cassidy taking on John Silver of the Dark Order. Johnny Hungy, Mike, who do you have in this match? Give give me give me Orange Cassidy. Uh, I I think the big thing to take away from this, this definitely feels like a, kind of a reward for John Silver and all the great work he's been doing on Dynamite Dark, and then he's been pretty funny on being the elite. So the fact that this is on the main card, and he's he's a good he's a fantastic worker too. Like yeah. you know he he's really fun. So. Um, and for this to be Orange Cassidy's first pay-per-view match post Jericho is a little, you know, a little disappointing. But uh, I think it's a chance to help elevate John Silver and potentially lead to something with Orange Cassidy and the Dark Order or Orange Cassidy and the Exalted One, Brody Lee, maybe. So should be fun. Definitely feels like there's there's more to this than this. I noticed when you did the rundown of the, the card, um, you said the first seven matches and we're both looking at Wikipedia, I believe. And this is the eighth match on the list. So definitely felt a little weird, but yeah, I'm taking Cassidy. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I wrote down orange Cassidy as well. And I, I think it just doesn't make sense to have him take an L here. And, you know, he had a high profile match with Brody Lee, which he lost he had a high profile match with Cody, which he lost. So he needs to start getting his heat back. And uh, especially if he's going to be one of those mainstays in the singles championship picture moving forward into 2021. 
So um, this should be a really entertaining match. I could see these two putting on a very high work rate affair, given that, you know, we know what Orange Cassidy can do. We've seen it before. And if you've watched Dark, you know what John Silver is capable of. The dude can absolutely go. So I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara, the elite deletion. Uh, This one I think is a little bit more interesting to consider and, and think about who might get the W here. Mike, what do you think about this match? Oh, this is this is I think the hardest match on the card to call because it's not a match. It's going to be a cin- cin- cinematic experience, um, and we know what Matt Hardy can do in these cinematic uh, matches. I, I always forget what they're called, but there was the the one in uh, WWE. There was the one in TNA Impact that were freaking insane. We love the one with Bray Wyatt. Um, I, I think, I think Matt Hardy gets the win and this somehow the results of this match starts to push Sammy away from the inner circle. If he, if it's cause he gets thrown into, what is it? The, the lake of rejuvenation or whatever. Yeah. You know, if, if that is what triggers Sammy to start moving his own way, I think you can hit the nail on the head. It's time for Sammy to kind of break out on his own. Um, or at least still be part of the inner circle, but continue to have these single stories. Um, he's just too good to be a lackey right now. So, but yeah, I'm going Matt Hardy, but the real focus is what this does for Sammy Guevara moving forward. All right. Well, we are three for three so far with uh, Shit. inadvertently agreeing on our picks. Uh, I also chose Matt Hardy. I think that uh, there's a possibility that this feud doesn't end with this match. I would like it to. Uh, but if Matt Hardy were to get the win here, um, then, you know, we're kind of putting Sammy out because he will have lost, you know, both matches, both times they squared off. And uh, hopefully that'll end the uh, the feud. So I'd like to see that. And I think Hardy needs a signature win in AEW. I know that he's here mostly to put over younger talent and to build new stars, but in order to do that, you need an air of legitimacy and you get that by winning matches. That's important in AEW. It's something that's been established. So his record matters. He needs to get this win. Yeah. And I, one last thing about this match, I feel better that these two are going to be in something that's pre-recorded because they've had some really dangerous spots and um, luckily they've, you know, avoided career ending injuries, which should not be the bar. (laughs) Luckily they've avoided that. So I I like that. This is a cinematic match and I am looking forward to what, what they can do here. So Joel, what Matt, what, what's the next match that we're going to be diving down? Well, let's go next to another member of the inner circle and talk about Chris Jericho and MJF. If MJF wins, he is in the inner circle. So uh, how do you think this one's going down? I I have some thoughts and some angles about where we go coming out of this match, uh, but I want to hear what you think first. Man, I I have no, I, I, I've been going back and forth on what I, what I want to see with this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick. Oh, 
Joel, I don't know what to do. Who did you pick? Because I'll just pick the opposite because I go either way. Well, congratulations, <laughs> then. You get MJF because okay. <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> I'm taking Jericho and, and here's something I thought of. And actually it was kind of a collaborative thinking of it. um, When Melody and I were talking about this segment uh, is it would be really interesting if the final task for MJF getting to join the inner circle is that he has to, you know, somehow attack or do something violent towards Wardlow. So I think one way to get there is to have Chris Jericho win the match and have it be, you know, kind of a long drawn out affair where both guys, you know, take a beating. And then Jericho says, hey, you know, you really want to join the inner circle. I'll still let you in, but you have to do something for me. And then, you know, give him Floyd and have Santana and Ortiz you know, jump Wardlow from behind or something. And it's like, you, you want in, you got to take out Wardlow. I think that would be really cool and interesting. So um, I'm hoping for something like that. And I think that kind of catal- um, situation is catalyzed by Jericho winning. Okay. So I, since I basically defer to whatever you pick, let me go with MJF. And I don't, I could see MGF winning and then basically being like, I don't need you. I'm better than you. And when they like say they have this ceremony on Wednesday to welcome MJF into the inner circle that MJF turns on him and either debuts his own stable or just beats the shit out of them. I could see something like that happening. And I just, I like the pairing of these guys as rivals. I don't know if I necessarily want them together because i just feel like they're both so damn good on their own and if the story is to pair them and to slowly kind of have the tension build again where we get an even bigger payoff then that that could definitely be the case but um i i think mjf winning is falls in line with what jericho's been doing here the last since he lost the title which has been putting over young guys whether he wins or not, that isn't really the case, but he worked with them, gets them a shine. And this just goes right into it. Cause I think MJF is AEW's version of Chris Jericho long-term of what we saw in WWE, WCW Jericho. So I think MJF is that important. Um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for making the pick here. Cause I, I was torn. I could go either way. I think there are so many compelling outcomes to, to this match each with each result, I, there's so many different ways they can go with this. So, yeah, this is I think the most intriguing post uh, full gear story that that they have. Is what happens with this? Yeah, a lot of potential diverging pathways here. Uh, let's go to a match that's a little bit more predictable, at least from where I'm sitting, and that is Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. Uh, I'm going with Kenny in this one. I think it's his time. We've talked about this before, so this should come as no surprise. I've loved this build. I've enjoyed the tournament, and I think that their inevitable clash at full gear is going to be a spectacle. Yeah, this. I think this has potentially the best singles match in AEW history. Um, And I don't think that's hyperbole, um, because these two can work. The story here is so intense. And Joel, we're, we're picking the same again because I'm, I'm going with Kenny Omega. Uh, 
I've spoke before about how I'm never picking against Moxley unless it's against one of these two men. And I feel like the winner of this match will be the next AEW champion. And to combine this with, I don't want to spoil my pick going forward, but I imagine Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks running house like they did in NJPW as the the elite. And uh, yeah, give me Kenny. Uh, I wouldn't be upset if Hangman won because I think Hangman uh, Moxley would be great, but I feel like there's a history here with Kenny and Moxley that's unfinished from their match at Full Gear last year. Man, I mean, one of the big themes of this show is symmetry and and how we're in this weird version of where we were last year at this time. And so many of these matches have connections to their full gear counterparts from last year. So man, this it it's either like really, really lazy or really, really well put together, depending on what your perspective is. And right now I'm feeling positive about it. So I'm leaning towards the really, really well put together. And uh, let's, um, Let's move on to that tag team match that you alluded to. The the first speaking of lazy, the first <laughs> the of our stipulation. first of our our championship matches that we're going to talk about, and it is FTR defending their titles against the Young Bucks. And if the Young Bucks lose, they will never challenge for these titles in AEW again. I really wish they didn't put that stipulation on this match. Because I feel it does lose a bit of the intrigue. I don't think that we went to we went in depth last week about this stipulation itself. So I'm not going to repeat that. But I really wish this wasn't a part of it. And the thing is, because of that stipulation, I don't see the Bucks losing. Because I don't know how you can have the best tag team in your company, one of the top two or three teams in the world, never get to challenge for those championships. So. Give me the Young Bucks. This should be an all-out battle. Um, and I really wish this stipulation wasn't there because I really kind of want to see this FTR reign move forward. And maybe they'll shock us. Maybe they will uh, buck the trend and go, to, go in a completely different direction. But I just can't see that stipulation hanging over the Young Bucks for the rest of their AEW tenure. So I'm going to pick an in-between here. Um... And, and it'll be, if, if they go with this, it'll be a first for AEW, which is, I think they find a way for FTR to walk out with the belts, but for the Young Bucks to win the match. Like, technically, they won the match, but the title doesn't change hands. And obviously, there are a million ways to do this. Um, none of them have been employed through this first year plus of AEW. so. I'm curious to see how they'll do it, but I've kind of racked my brains about it. And I feel like unless it's just going to be your, you know, rote bucks, get the win, get the titles and the stipulation doesn't matter. Then I think this is the way to go. So in that way, I'm going to be taking FTR to retain the titles, not necessarily to win the match. If that makes sense. No, that, I, that's interesting. I'm look trying to look up last week, last year's promos for uh, that Cody match because I'm wondering if the the uh, wording of their stipulations is different. I want 
I can't remember was if it was if Cody didn't win, and this one is if the Bucks lose. So you could definitely go a time limit draw, and the Bucks are like, well, we didn't lose the match, so we're still we can still challenge you down the line. Um, you know, so, and if there's a disqualification or something like that, maybe they take the fuck out of you know Tully Blanchard or something or a double count out or whatever. Um, so that that does does give them the out. Um, and that would that could make sense because this mat this story this feud could last longer than the real you know couple months they've given it. So that, I also, is, that is definitely an option. I also think if the Bucks are, are destined to win these titles and Kenny Omega is going to win his match and then win the AEW championship, it would be kind of cool for them to win on the same night. And that's not a possibility here. So I'm wondering if this match is just a way to kick the can down the road a little bit more. Give us a taste of what this feud is going to be. And then we get the decisive title changing match down the road. Or like I said, it's just rote and the Bucks win. But um, I- I'm choosing to go a-, a slightly different route here with my uh, with my predictions. So. So, so technically we made the same pick. Uh, so I- I'm going to technically pick the Bucks, but you're, you're keeping FTR to retain. Right, I, exactly. We'll, so, we'll so, do that as our one. That's be our, our dividing line, retaining versus losing it to the Bucks, because I'm yes. having the Bucks win the belts. Yes. Okay. So I've got, I, I'm letting you behind the curtain a little bit here, I've got FTR written down in my column, but that's with the understanding that it's about who retains the title in terms of the yeah. prediction, not who okay. wins the match. Yeah, that works for me. That's a, I think that's an interesting way since... We both felt this was a pretty predictable uh, thing when they announced it. Yeah, cool. All right, Trey, what's what's next here? A a match where I have no idea what's going to happen. Talking about Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's Championship. Shida has held the belt since uh, Revolution, where she won it Uh, from Nyla Rose. And uh, that was a really, really great match. So I'm glad that we're getting that rematch. And it's been you know, eight months since that match happened. So good long Ooh. title reign for Sheeta. And I think, um, uh, Ni- go ahead. Nyla beat Statlander at Revolution and then oh, Sheeta won right. it a few weeks later. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's right. I knew it had been, you know, about eight months though. Because um, so- remember, Sheeta went on that crazy run during the quarantine tapings. That's right. Where she was one of like the handful of women there and she just won like 10 straight over the course of like four weeks. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, long time. And dude, I have no idea either. And I, I think it's, I think it has less to do with the competitors and more to do with what's the women's division looking like after this event, because I just don't know if there's enough. Same issue when I, we had Nyla Rose's champion before. I don't know if there's enough baby faces right now that can really put a story on with Rose right now just because of how light the division is. But I also feel like the only woman left after Nyla Rose is maybe Britt Baker. I just don't know if there's enough people <laughs> either side of this. So I'm just going to go with my gut here. I'm going Nyla Rose. Um, new management. They want to get Vicky on TV. She's a heat-seeking missile. I know you don't like her, but... Um, Feels like a time uh, for a champ, a championship change, and 
Uh, I know we have a two-time champ in Cody with the TNT title, but seems like a good time for a, uh, a two-time champ here with Nyla Rose and have her lead us into 2021 in the women's division. So I have Nyla as well. And for, for similar reasoning as what you laid out, I feel like changing the title to Nyla is a way to hit the reset button on the division. And with everything that's happened, the degree to which they've been bit by the injury bug and just had issues with competitors being available, I think it's it's a necessary step to get us back to where we want to be. Um, you mentioned Chris Statlander. I'm pretty sure that she is doing like in-ring exercises in her like recovery process. So uh, I won't be surprised if she's back soon. And um, yeah, I, she's right in that range. So, so there's a lot of opportunity for uh, us to have some babyface challengers for Nyla Rose. And honestly, AEW has shown that they can have a protagonist antagonist setup where both people are babyfaces or both people are heels. Um, we have a couple of examples of that on this very show with Jericho and MJF and then Cody and Darby, where you don't have that heel face dynamic built in and they're still able to create a compelling feud and a compelling match. So I feel like, you know, Britt Baker could take the title off of Nyla Rose as easily as she could take it off of Hikaru Shida if that's the direction that you wanted to go. But I feel like let's hit the reset button. Let's get to some new matches, new ideas, new feuds, new stories and Nyla Rose winning is the way to do that. Yeah, and I think I, I mentioned last week to you that there was that weird full gear ad where they talked about surprises and debuts. I would not be surprised if Nyla won the belt here and a new woman debuts in the company to kind of kick off uh, a new story with Nyla Rose. So I have no no real spoilers or anything like that. No No insight. That's just this seems like where a surprise would make a ton of sense and really just kind of give it a shot in the women's division, a shot in the arm. Absolutely. So uh, next up the match for the TNT championship, Cody taking on Darby Allen. And I, this is another one where it's like, I, I don't, I don't really know. Like Cody's a two-time champion. He just won the belt back, but at the same time, like he's faced off with a lot of the potential challengers. So I'm not sure where to go on this one. Yeah, I, I made my spoiler pick last week. I'm taking Darby Allen here. Um, I think Darby Allen opens up a lot of avenues for where they can go with the title. And I just feel like we've been talking how it's time for Kenny to, to be in, in the main event. Story, you know, I feel like it's time for Cody to to do something outside of the belt. Something, um, you know, if it we we this whole pay per view is stuff from last year, stuff from early in the year that they're revisiting. Could Cody revisit a feud with Jericho? Could Cody revisit a feud with MJF? I think those would be uh, very interesting things to do where you wouldn't need the TNT Championship. And I just think Darby would look so fucking cool with that belt and if that gets us a Darby Allen versus absolutely Ricky Starks for the TNT championship, then so be it. That's what I need to get there. Yeah. All right. I'll go with Cody on this one uh, just to give us a little bit more variation. And I think the argument for Cody is, you know, he just won the belt back. He is the face of the company 
and for the um for the belt that is named for the TV station that they're on, it makes sense for that person to be holding it. And he's still like top five promo in the game and, you know, doing such tremendous work both on the mic and in the ring. So I I don't see a a reason to take it off of him. And there's been an influx of talent to the company. So there are people for him to face off with. Uh, I would love to see, him face off with a returning pack in a TNT open championship challenge uh, and have pack come in and maybe win the belt. I mean, there's lots of opportunity. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's keep it with Cody. Sounds good. And Joel, it's main event time. Yes, indeed. The I quit match between John Moxley and Eddie Kingston for the AEW championship. Joel, what have we learned in 2020? Uh, uh, viruses are bad. Okay. What else have we learned in 2020? Uh, uh, election night is a misnomer. Yes. Okay. We don't pick Sean Spears and we don't pick against John Moxley. Right, right, right. That, rules, of course, rules, yeah. Rules, rules to live rules, by. So I will be picking John Moxley and I stand by what I've said since July. Only two men are taking that belt off of John Moxley and that is Heyman Page or Kenny Omega. Moxley's going to retain here. I think this is going to be a very emotional match because this storyline and this this has feud has been crazy intense and crazy emotional uh which might be like in terms of the aew world championship feuds this is like the most personal one we've had so far and i love everything john moxley and eddie kingston have brought to the table here and i would love to see eddie kingston get big platinum at some point but uh nope nope gotta follow my rule of 2020 john moxley for the win here yeah, I I have Moxley as well. Um, as much as I would love Eddie Kingston to walk out with the belt, uh, I mean, I thought his promo was exceptional when he got right up in Moxley's face and said, you know, this is the thing right here. This is why I tell my mother, this is why you don't have grandchildren. This is why I haven't given you a daughter-in-law like, because this right here is the most important thing. And it just, it's, it feels human, right? It feels like something that a person might say. And I think that's something that Kingston does so well is he communicates in a way that makes him sound like a real human being and not like someone reading lines or portraying some kind of comic book supervillain. Uh, he, actually has a sinister edge to him as a result of that. So uh, as much as I love the work he's been putting in, I don't see this being the time that Moxley drops the belt. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly said. And if obviously we, we wanted a really good story, we got a really good story. We're going to get a really good match. I believe from these two and Eddie Kingston, man, he's a freaking star. What a great signing by AEW and he, he's helped elevate the championship scene. He's helped elevating 
other guys on the mid card to the upper mid card and, and the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade. And what, a, what an incredible asset. Good, just props to AEW and Kingston for getting this done because he's been such a delight. I love this guy. All right, well, that wraps it up. Uh, we will be recording a reaction podcast after the show on Saturday night. Uh, so hope you'll join us for that. And uh, yeah, that's basically all there is. Yeah, guys, uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. Twitter, the other, uh, Twitter's OWS underscore pod. Joel's at The Other Joel. I'm at Michael underscore Aranda. Subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you can get a podcast, we're there. Um, email us at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail.com. And it's going to be a good pay-per-view. So I'll be live tweeting on Saturday night. Uh, watch out for Joel, too. He tends to tweet a bit during the shows. And, yeah, we'll get you that show early Saturday, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. So be on the lookout. Excited to do it. And, uh, Joel, anything else before uh, – I make some chicken. I'm, when we do these late Thursday afternoon pods, it's always, I'm going to cook some chicken. I wish I had something better to say, but that's that's what I'm going to be doing. I mean, what could be better than cooking chicken? No, I'm just going to be watching the election coverage. So oh, dude, just cook the chicken, man. Just cook the chicken. <laughs> I can do both. I'm not a monster. So, all right, guys. We'll see you Saturday. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.